Welcome to Rise Above Your Mind, a podcast dedicated to education, advocacy, and support for topics related to mental health and all challenges and obstacles that are found in the world today. Welcome back to another episode of Rise Above Your Mind. Today, I'm joined by Tyler Lewin. If you just want to introduce yourself real quick. Yeah, what's up, guys? I'm Tyler. I'm on the men's soccer team. I'm a captain here. I'm also a campus captain for the Hidden Opponent. I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, but moved around a lot with my dad in the Air Force. So most recently lived in Severna Park, Maryland. First of all, just want to say super excited to have you here today, Tyler. Talk about a really important topic. Very important to both of us, obviously, as male athletes, which is kind of the stigma around men's mental health in general, and then also how that stigma is portrayed in male athletics and kind of the impact that that has on the mental health of a lot of male student athletes. So to kick things off, to kind of get us going here, I just want you to kind of walk through, you know, your personal mental health journey, what you've been through and kind of how, you know, that that stigma around men's mental health has impacted your journey. Yeah, sure. Feel free to stop me at any time. I kind of can go off on a tangent and lose my thought. Um, oh, no, so. no worries. No worries. I'm, I'm all for that. I would say I think, you know, a lot of the struggle kind of stems from choices I didn't necessarily have as a kid growing up and moving around a lot. We moved every two years on average, just my dad being in the Air Force. So I, I think that definitely starts to take a toll on you as a kid. You know, everywhere you move, you're the new kid. So everyone's trying to figure you out. Um, you're trying to figure out how to fit in. I mean, every state's different too. So you move from Arizona to Alabama. I mean, the, the culture there, just everything's completely different. And then from Alabama, you move from there to Maryland and it's just another 360. So, I mean, I think stuff like that just slowly kind of starts to compound on you over time, almost like in a way kind of lays a basis for any sort of struggles. I think that I kind of like to call myself an introverted extrovert. So once I get to know people and trust them, I'll be myself around them. But if I don't know you, I'm not coming up to talk to you. I'm not going to be myself around you. It's not going to happen. And I think that kind of just ties back into moving around and having everyone ask you questions. You get to a point where like after your fourth or fifth move, you just want to be invisible. You don't want to deal with all the questions. You don't want everyone asking what's going on. And I think growing up in a military household, it's very much like you don't talk about your feelings, especially as a guy. Like we don't we don't talk about anything. And so I definitely struggled with anxiety and depression. I think depression more so in high school. It got to a point in my sophomore year once where I was texting one of my friends and it got to a point where, you know, things weren't looking good. I didn't really want to want to be here anymore and luckily enough he texted my coach at the time um who reached out to my parents and my mom came into my room and we just kind of had had a talk but even then I wasn't super willing to open up but I mean in a sense with everything that was going on that that text I mean potentially saved my life the rest of high school you know I I dealt with depression but not as much as the anxiety I think for me Anxiety is really what, what stemmed out of always moving around is kind of that fear of what are people going to think of me? What what can I say that will not make people keep asking questions? What can I do? 
not fully to hide away because I still want to be involved with people, but what can I do to kind of push away their level of interest towards me? And then, you know, I think it it's something that once it kind of pops up in your life, you're going to deal with it for the rest of your life. So it, it just comes down to learning how to manage it. And I mean, you have the ups and downs, the highs and lows, but if you can have people in your life around you that support you, they're really going to be able to help you get through it. So for me, my mom was massive in that sense. You know, my, my senior year, I kind of talked to her, finally opened up and I ended up seeing a therapist, which has been game changer, just someone to go talk to. And just to have that relationship with my mom now where I know I can talk with anything about her. Um, it's big having people in your wheelhouse. And at the end of the day, like you may not think it at the time, but people are always, you're going to have people that want to be there for you, whether they vocalize it or not. There are people out there in your life, whether it's one person or 10 people, one person makes the difference. So I, I think just truly knowing and understanding that people are there for you and not being afraid to reach out to them. Because I think that's another big thing, especially when you deal with a lot of anxiety, more so socially, is you don't want to reach out to those people because you start to wonder, oh, what's going to happen if I tell them this? But I think ultimately you're better off to open up and be honest about it. Because the people you want in your life are the people that like you for who you are and care about you for who you are, not what front you're putting on. So if they really are someone who should be in your life, they'll care and they'll try and help you. No, absolutely. 100%. And, and I think a, a big thing that I would kind of want to follow up on it and, and talk about both with my personal experience and, you know, as a, a male student athlete, as someone who grew up in a household where we didn't really talk about mental health. And obviously it's a different scenario. I, I didn't grow up in a military family or, you know, moved all the time. I've lived in the same house pretty much since I was four or five years old. So it's a little bit of a different perspective, but I still had that kind of that feeling where I was like, I can't talk about this. Like if I talk about this, they're going to look at me differently. And it, it's pretty crazy to think about because it's such a common thing now. Like now that I've, you know, gotten involved with the hidden opponent, gotten involved with all this mental health work, I see just how many people are going through the same things that I experienced when I was younger. And I wish that somebody would have just like opened my eyes and said, Hey, like these are some of your closest friends. They're dealing with the same thing, but they're also hiding it. They're also not wanting to talk about it. And I think it, it, it becomes a cycle where people don't want to talk about it and then other people don't want to talk about it. And then they all just kind of have these feelings that are all bottled up. And I feel like I kind of go over this same little spiel every episode, but it's because it comes up every episode because personally, I think it's the most important aspect of any obstacle overcoming anything in your life is your support system. And everybody that I talk to has had that one or two people in their life that really saved them when they were at their lowest point. And for me personally, it was my best friend, Jenna in high school. And she genuinely saved my life one night when, you know, I, I was at that same point where I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, I just, I can't take it. I have nobody to talk to. I'm bottling all of these emotions up. And, you know, she, she was there for me and she really saved my life. And, you know, like you said, that that person that texted your coach and then talking to your mom about it, like, I don't think people realize just how big of an impact they have on some other people's lives. And 
you know, that's why we do what we do at the hidden opponent is we want to be those people that support others and kind of be that, that not necessarily like your, your last resort, but if you need somebody that's going to, you know, be there for you no matter what, that's, that's what we're all about. And it's definitely, it's an interesting thing to think about. And I, I kind of want to follow up, I guess, with a question here for you is, you know, like how, how did having that support system, how did, you know, once you, your friend texted your coach, once you had that conversation, once you talked to your mom, like how did that kind of change your perspective on your mental health and kind of having that support system, like how that helped you, I guess, kind of yeah. get through that. I mean, so for me, it initially, it didn't do much. Initially, my mom kind of came up and talked to me and I just kind of pushed it away. I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like it is what it is. And I think I was fortunate enough in a sense that that kind of like shocked me, just like seeing my mom upset like that and worried for me that I didn't really have any more thoughts like that. But for me, it still took a couple of years until I started seeing a therapist and was really able to open up with my mom that I noticed the difference. And I think another thing is, like you and I both talked about how it was teammates and friends that were there for us. It doesn't have to be the person you're closest with. Like I, my goalie coach back home now, I'll be at training and he can tell halfway through a session. He'll be like, you know what? We just need to stop. He'll be like, I, I can tell right now. Or he'll be like, look, if on the next couple of reps at the end, you don't just scream your mind off, whether you save it or not. He's like, we're going to stop because I can tell that you're starting to bottle stuff up and hold it inside. Of you. And just like, literally it can be anyone in your life that's what's so crazy to me is like this my goalie coach who I see once a week when I'm home and I text when I'm not home like someone like that if you truly are able to get to know them and open up to them like even they can tell and they can help you out so I think your support system in a sense can be as big or as small as you're willing to make it like it, it does take some proactiveness in terms of you being willing to open up and talk to people but once you do I think the amount of people that are actually receptive to it and that truly are there to help you and will be there for you is astronomical compared to what you think it is. Yeah. And I definitely realized that, especially within my own team, where, you know, I've had family members that have passed away over the last three years while I've been at Co and, you know, personal issues and situations that were out of my control and that have caused me to miss practices or games or have to step away from the team and every single time that something came along it genuinely amazed me how many of my teammates like reached out to me and were like hey like if you need anything you know text me you know I've got your back stuff like that you know unfortunately at the beginning of this fall I had a close family member one of my great aunts pass away from breast cancer and you know I sent a message in our group chat and I was like hey guys like I've got to go to Nebraska this weekend for the visitation. I'm going to miss two practices and, and might not be back on Monday either. Every single guy texted me individually and was just like, hey, you know, take care of yourself. If you need anything, you know, I've got your back. And you don't always realize that. Like when I'm at practice, when I'm, you know, in film sessions and whatnot with, with the guys on my team, I don't always realize just like kind of that community that we have and the fact that we all like care genuinely about each other and want to see each other succeed. And I think that's another big thing in athletics in general, and especially in, in male athletics, is that we kind of try and put on this, this brave face, like, doesn't matter what happens in our lives, like, we're just going to push through it, you know, kind of like you said earlier, like, it is what it is, we just kind of take the punches and move on. 
And sometimes it, it's important to be vulnerable. Sometimes all it takes is one guy on the team to be like, hey, I'm struggling. Like, I need help with this. And, and everybody else is there to pick him up. And I think there's a lot of guys, both on my team at Co and kind of just in general, that haven't been vulnerable, that haven't taken that step that, that I can tell are struggling. That, you know, you go to practice and sometimes they're just not there mentally and you see how it affects their game. And so badly, sometimes I just want to go up to them and be like, dude, let's go like grab lunch. Let's talk, like figure out what's going on. But sometimes, you know, you don't want to like overstep. You don't want to be kind of like the person that pushes them out of their comfort zone. And it's a really hard line to walk because you have to be a support. You have to let them know that you care about them without being too, you know, over the top, without being too, hey, like this is this is what I need from you. And it's definitely a challenge, especially in athletics, especially with guys who for so long we've we've faced the stigma where you know you have to be the macho man you have to take everything in stride like you walk around campus and you have a athletics bag on or you're wearing your team gear and people are like oh like that guy's got it got it figured out but <laughs> we don't like yeah, we don't there's yeah. there's a lot of times where I'll get home from practice and I'll literally like shower grab something to eat and I'll just lay in bed all night and I'll just be like, I do not have the energy to do homework or study or interact with people. And it's hard. Like I'm oh, sure yeah. you relate to that. No, definitely. I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think it's about knowing the people also since joining the hidden opponent and kind of bring that to campus. I think the guys on the team, the coaches have kind of almost become more receptive to it. Like in our player meetings now, our coach, will genuinely ask like how the guys are doing like we can talk to him about anything now and I'll have guys on the team who will ask me and I'll do the same to guys I'll be like like just like the normal conversation I'll be like how's it going and we'll keep talking I can tell like you know something's not right and I'll be like so like how are you actually doing and then we'll have a genuine conversation and and try and see see what we can do and I think with certain guys you kind of have to poke and prod more than others so I think it's definitely understanding your personnel which, I mean, you hear that on the field too, but I think that definitely transitions off the field is knowing how much you can kind of try and pull from guys and how much certain guys have to be willing to give it to you. So I, I definitely think that's big. I, I do think that just like you really just need one person on your team, one person on your team, and that, that makes a difference. Like one person to open up and other people see it and they're like, well, he can do it. Like, hey, I've been feeling this way. I can talk to him about it. And then all of a sudden, maybe the two of you are talking and someone comes and sits down and maybe not that time, but the next time they're like, hey, I've been feeling this way. So then they talk to someone else about it. And it it's kind of like a domino effect that one person realizes, hey, it's okay to be like this and be vulnerable that everyone else will follow. And I, I definitely relate to what you were saying earlier. I mean, this weekend we beat number five in the nation Johns Hopkins, everyone's on a high. I mean, Saturday after the game, I felt great. I looked at my phone. I was like, well, the gym closes in an hour. So I went and got a lift in. I went back. And then Sunday, I just, like, everyone else was still riding off that. And Sunday, I was just, you know, I, I wasn't there. I was, you know, not as happy as everyone else. The the excitement of that had died down. And it was just kind of one of those days where you don't really want to do anything. You're just not feeling great. And I think, to be able to acknowledge that yourself and kind of understand that 
is really big because then you can figure out what you can do to kind of help yourself around that. Yeah. And I've definitely noticed the same thing at co with both the hidden opponent, but also just kind of the fact that I've been able to, you know, as the SAC president work with a lot of the different coaches on a lot of the different teams and being the national SAC representative for our athletic conference, I've been able to work with all of the schools in our conference. And I've had some pretty unique and crazy opportunities to really change the perception of mental health with coaches. And like, that's, that's always been my biggest thing in athletics is that coaches need to be trained in mental health techniques. They need to be trained in how the players are going to be, how the coaching staff is going to be, how that interaction is going to affect the team, you know, chemistry and atmosphere. And I think the more that coaches are vulnerable and open to those conversations, the better off people will be. I've kind of had a, a weird coaching experience throughout my time at Co, where I've had three coaches in four years, and oh the only year that I the only year that I've had the same coach was my junior and senior year, and last year we only had like less than half a season in terms of games because of COVID and only playing conference and whatnot. So, you know, if you think about it in terms of games, I've really had three sets of coaches for three years. And it's, it's been a challenge because freshman year, the coach that I, you know, came here to play under that recruited me originally was a great guy. He was a young coach who really kind of wanted to, to turn our program around and cared about players, mental health, really kind of like, you know, wanted to see us succeed outside of soccer. And, you know, unfortunately he had been a grad assistant at Amherst and they reached out to him to come back to Amherst to be an assistant and, you know, they're a top 10 school in the yeah. country pretty consistently. And, you know, we were coming off a year where we didn't win a single game. And so as, as much as I loved having him as my coach, I, I completely understood why he wanted to go back. It's pretty hard to pass that down. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. And, and it was difficult because I was like, Oh, I wish he would have stayed but at the same time. Like I wanted what was best for him as well. He was a really good coach. And at that point, then it was actually kind of a crazy how it all worked out because his dad was actually the athletic director at Co. Um, And that was what originally brought him here kind of from the East Coast. Um, But his dad was a former Division Three men's soccer coach, has over 400 wins, like a really, really good program that he was with out East. And so he took over as the head coach for a year while they were searching for a new head coach. And he was more of kind of like, most of his wins and his time as a division three coach came in like the nineties and early two thousands. And so he kind of still had that mentality of, you know, I'm not too worried about mental health. I'm just going to focus on winning and you guys need to kind of stick with me or you're going to get left behind. And it was really difficult for me because, you know, I've always been so passionate about mental health and, and going from Matt to, to Sonny, it was a really difficult change. And then, our assistant that year, Kyle took over as our head coach the next year when Sonny stepped down and he was kind of more, he was, he was more so caring about mental health than Sonny was, but definitely not as much as Matt was. So it it really made it difficult for me because I, I felt like I was kind of just being thrown back and forth with my coaches and I couldn't really get a good, a good perception of, of how to approach them and how to work with them. And, you know, obviously with COVID going on, that was a whole nother, whole nother fiasco that we were dealing with so it was it was a challenge and I definitely feel like having a coach that can see 
when you're struggling, you know, like you said with your goalkeeper coach where he's like, I need you to let out some frustration. I need you to let out some emotions. Like those are the kind of coaches that we need in the world because they're, they're supportive because they want to see you succeed on the field, but also off the field. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of coaches still in the game that are, are very, you know, I want to win games and I'm going to do whatever it takes to win games. And it doesn't always work. And I think we definitely need to, to kind of shift towards that mentality of, you know, if you have a team of players that care about each other, that want to see each other succeed and a coach that does too, that team's going to perform better. And, and I'm sure you, you've kind of understand that as well. Like, you know, if, if you're a team, obviously, like you just said, coming off a big win over the number five team in the country, like you can't do that kind of thing if everybody on the team is hates each other and doesn't want to be their play. Like you have to, you have to, you know, dig deep and kind of rely on each other. And especially like mental health in, in the male, you know, collegiate athletics, building those connections with your teammates is so important and finding that support system. Is so important. Yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, the more connected you are off the field, you're going to be that much more connected on the field. I remember there was a study somewhere and essentially the what it ended up finding was that the more they compared teams where guys would like huddle up in a circle and like arms around each other. So like the physical touch versus teams that didn't were much more successful than the teams that didn't. So off the field transitions on the field so much. And I think for me, my freshman year at Ithaca College, we had a great coach, a great head coach, great assistant. And then our grad assistant was the goalie coach and he was majoring in sports psychology so that was amazing because he was there for all the goalkeepers, which I'm sure, as you know, being a goalkeeper is an insanely mentally tasking position. So to have him there as an outlet and one of the other goalkeepers there is just one of my best friends right now. Like him and I, we can talk, we know we can talk to each other about anything, but the head coach who was there at the time, I know that myself and other players, I think if we struggled with anything, we could not have come to talk to him. He's definitely, he wanted us to win and succeed. And to an extent he cared about off the field, but not the mental side. Um, I think, oh, I know it's important to have a relationship with your coach where you can go and talk to them off the field, but to an extent. So you need to have that relationship with your coach where you can respect them on the field, but off the field, you know, you can talk to them about anything. Um, and unfortunately he was a coach where, some guys didn't even want to go into the office and talk to him because they were kind of afraid of him. Uh, and then I, you know, ended up transferring here. Um, my dad got deployed for two years, so I wanted to move somewhere closer to home. Um, so I transferred down here to Sinus. And our head coach here is, he's great. I mean, he has that relationship where on the field, you know, it's time to work, but off the field, you can go and go into his office, talk to you about anything. I mean, he'll reach out over text and ask you how things are going, if there's anything you need to talk about. So just having that dynamic where you're able to be open and talk with anything about your coaches. And like you said, being willing to learn about stuff too. This spring, this past spring, I, I was in a pretty low spot and I ended up developing an eating disorder. And for instance, I'm 5'11", 6 foot. My playing weight is normally 175 pounds. Um, at my lowest, I was 126 pounds and that was while I was working out every day. So there was still muscle there. Um, and it was really bad. Like I would stand up 
and I would like go black. I'd get dizzy. Like I'd get tired walking up a set of stairs. I was constantly sore. Um, and actually, um, through the hidden opponent, I found Shira, who were there. They've now rebranded and they're now called Beyond Rules Recovery, but before they were Living Proof MN. Um, and she worked with me online and then she got my mom integrated into it. And oh my gosh, my mom is my mom's amazing. I mean, she's my saving grace. She really saved me through all that too. But through that time, I mean, my trainer ended up pulling me. But the amount of guys on that team that would reach out to me in the spring, and then I ended up leaving, going home early. And in the summer that would reach out to me and ask how my weight was doing, how I was going. Um, my coach even asked me what books he could read and what research he could do to learn about it, which was amazing. Because to me, having a coach who actually wants to learn about stuff like that like that, that's when you know your coach cares about you. And coaches like that, that truly care about their players and can develop that relationship. You're like, you're just going to want to, when you're on the field, you're not only playing for your brothers, you're playing for your coach. And to know that your coach and your brothers out there care about you that much, it only makes you want to play that much harder. It makes you, you're going to go through a tackle. You know, you're going to go hundred percent through that tackle because everyone else out there would do the exact same for you. Yeah. And Honestly, like that brings a smile to my face hearing that about your coach and the fact that he was like, what can I do to like better understand what you're going through? What can I do to be a better support for you? Because I think the biggest, the biggest thing that's going to help the stigma around mental health is people realizing that there's so much more to yeah. know. Like there's a difference between like, if you, you know, you were struggling with this, you were going through this. If your coach was just like, you know what, do what you got to do, come back when you can, and we'll go from there. Like, that's great, but it's not, it's not helpful. Right. And the fact that he took that step that he was really like, what can I do to make this easier for you to help me understand what you're going through? That's exactly what we need. That's exactly what coaches need to do, what teammates need to do. I personally, before getting to college, even throughout my freshman year, I'd never really heard about eating disorders. Like, you know, you hear about them in health class or whatever, yeah. but you, I, I didn't know anything about them. And since I, I myself developed an eating disorder after my knee surgery, my, my freshman year of college, That's where crazy. Mine was, it was shoulder surgery. Yeah. And I kind of hit it on both ends where my body was all over the place where I would go two weeks where I wouldn't eat at all. And then I would just binge for like two or three days and I would just eat anything in sight and it would go back and forth between me being like getting on the scale. And I'd look at my body and I'd be like, I need to lose weight. I need to be, you know, at a better, better weight for soccer. And so I would, I would work out two, three times a day, you know, once I, my knee was, was, was recovered to the point where I could work out and, you know, I'd work out two, three times a day, would barely eat. And I'd, I'd lose 10, 15 pounds in, in a week or a week and a half. And then I'd be sitting there in bed and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing to yourself? You can't do this. And then I would just eat and eat. And all of a sudden I'd put on 20 pounds in two weeks. And it was so unhealthy for my body because it, it threw everything out of whack and it really was problematic for me. And, you know, at that point I was like, I need to figure out what's going on. And so, you know, I started doing research on eating disorders and trying to figure out, you know, I, I went to see a doctor and, and a dietitian that, that helped me kind of figure things out. 
And I still struggle with it. It's, it's not something that's ever going to go away. And I'm sure, I'm sure you understand that, you know, there's, there's, there's days where I'll wake up and all of a sudden it'll be three in the afternoon. I'll be like, all I've had today is my, my water. Like Mm -hmm. all I've, all I've had to eat or drink all day is like two, two water bottles. And I'll be like, I need to eat something. I need to eat something before I let this kind of get a hold of me. And just like, if, if I had someone in my life at that point that was like, Hey, what, what can I do? Like, how can I support you? And, you know, now fortunately through the hidden opponent, I I've met some people that will text me, you know, every, every couple of days and be like, Hey, have you eaten? Like, like have you yeah. eaten today? You know, like stuff like that. And it's, it's pretty incredible to me. Some of the people that I've been able to meet through the hidden opponent and, you know, just a little, a little shameless plug about THO there. That's where my but. mom is now. Cause she, she saw me at my worst. Like I said, I went home and I did most of it with her, which, was crazy because a lot of people that have anorexia and orthorexia they have to go to inpatient so for me to not have to go there and to do it with my mom I mean it, it was emotional for both of us but she'll text me after games Sunday mornings anytime and she's like did you eat today what have you eaten you know did you get enough and I have friends that will do the same so I think it is crazy and especially as I learn more about it it's it's crazy how prevalent it is with males too because I feel like when I, when I was younger and I would hear about eating disorders, you tend to think of it not being males. But when you start to look into the research, and not just that, but you look into the research of, I mean, things as simple as just dealing with depression and anxiety to suicide rates, a majority of it is men. And it, it, it's crazy to me that while a majority of it is men, we're still on the back end of the progressiveness in terms of speaking about it. So I think the more vocalized it can become that as a guy it's okay not to be okay and the more that can be pushed out you know you can only hope and see that those numbers would hopefully drop because it's really sad to to know that so many other guys out there are affected by it and aren't willing to open up you know for a multitude of reasons but I think it once you finally do it it's like a weight just comes off your shoulders and I mean that like the the other thing is, like you said, I mean, you still deal with it. It's not like, you know, you talk about it. And no, everything, everything goes away. I have a completely normal perception of food, of my body. I have a completely normal perception of life. Like I'm happy, go lucky all the time. Like I still have big ups and downs throughout my days, throughout my life, but it's understanding and knowing how to manage it and knowing who to talk to and how to deal with it that, you're able to come out on such a better end than if you didn't know how to. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that I always say is the support systems that you have are going to determine what you're able to get through. Because if you're not vulnerable, if you, if you go and see a therapist and you just sit there for an hour and talk about the surface level stuff, you're not going to get better. Yeah. And it, it, it's an unfortunate way to put it, but it's the truth. Because, you know, I know people in my life that are like, oh, yeah, like, I'll talk about my mental health. And then they'll just be like, yeah, I'm anxious when I have a test. And I'm like, yes, you are. But why are you anxious? Like, what is causing this? And then they're like, oh, yeah, I get like one of my teammates from my freshman year. He texted me before a game once or this was sophomore year. He, he was a freshman. I was a sophomore. He texted me before one of our games and he was like, I've been getting super anxious before like every game, like to the point where like I can't sleep the night before and like I, I don't have an appetite. And he's like. I used to happen to me in high school, but like, I never thought anything of it. He's like, do you like know what that could be? And I'm like, 
I do know yeah. what that is. I've experienced yeah. that. Like, let's, let's, let's unpack that. Let's talk about it. And, and we kind of went through, you know, like what causes, you know, you to be anxious before games and, and being, you know, scared to make mistakes and, and all of the stuff that goes with it. And, you know, it was just kind of one of those experiences where I was like, I wish more people would do this. Like, I wish, you know, like people don't even realize what they're going through. And I think it's the, 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 the best way to kind of break down the stigma, the best way to, to get to that point in, in mental health where we're all vulnerable, we're all comfortable with talking about it and sharing it and supporting each other is just to, to understand that you're not alone, that no matter what, no matter what you think you're going through, somebody else is there feeling the same thing that, that wants to be there for you. So I think as we close things out here, I I just want to kind of ask you, you know, general advice for somebody struggling, you know, going through, you know, men's mental health and college athletics, just eating disorders, just any general mental health advice, Whatever, whatever you want to leave it's, us with, floor is yours. It's hard, but you have to be proactive. I know how hard it is. I've been in the darkest of places, the deepest, the lowest of lows, but that proactivity, and it doesn't have to be much. I'm telling you, you reach out to one person, text one person, call one person, send one email. It's not much. I mean, you, just little things, the littlest of things when you're that deep can make the biggest of differences. And I think just willing to be proactive and take that step it can be hard, but it's the best thing you can do. It can be the hardest thing, but it's going to be the most rewarding thing. You're going to reap the rewards. And there's there are people out there who care about you and who are willing to help you. The reality is there are people out there and they're going to want to help you. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. I just want to thank Tyler for joining us today. It was a really good conversation about a really important topic. Thanks for having me. Keep up the good work.